Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Toronto Raptors now sit one home game away from the NBA championship. They thoroughly controlled the second half in this one using a 37-21 third quarter to take full control, led by double digits nearly the entire fourth quarter, ended up closing it out 105-92. And I think the biggest takeaway that I had was this Raptors offense carved up Golden State yet again. What stood out to me was the Raptors doing really well offensively in both the third and the competitive portion of the fourth quarter. You know, the end was a little bit funky where they succeeded in completely different ways. You know, that that third quarter was a series of different things, but a lot of it was just Kawhi being amazing. In the third quarter alone, he had 17 points, five of eight from the field, five of five from the line but then the fourth quarter was just a barrage I I thought Lowry was fantastic in that fourth quarter carving up the Warriors getting getting the passes to the open corner three-point shooters sometimes above the break as well and and what the other thing I found interesting was that the the fourth quarter wasn't all that different offensively for me than some of the stuff they did in the first half it's just that the shots that didn't fall in the first fell in the in the fourth and then the game was over stats from that second half 140 offensive rating 63 points on 45 possessions for toronto uh, after they were miserable in the first half scoring only 42 points uh, on 49 possessions and you knew that the shot making was going to turn around only two of 15 on three some very very good looks in that first half uh, as you mentioned they went five of nine from downtown Kawhi leonard personally set the tone with two three-pointers to erase the warriors tenuous four-point lead at the start of the third quarter one got a pretty easy transition one Steph Curry and DeMarcus Cousins were just hanging out under the rim didn't get back on D he was open there and then he hit one right in Draymond's face uh, off a semi-transition ISO the next time and Toronto would eventually trail again by five midway through the third but then Kawhi turned it on again Steve Kerr tried just about everything that he could think of other than just switching everything with the, which with Looney back they had the personnel to do at times they never really tried that and, and I thought it's something that they should have tried given how poorly everything else was working well and, and I, yeah. actually can I get into that for a second oh yeah please he did he did that except that because of the way Kerr ran his rotations he never really had his best defensive lineup on the floor at the same time other than that desperation push at the very very end of the third quarter Kevon Looney was usually coming in when Andre Guadal was going out and sometimes when Clay Thompson, you know, Thompson who had a, a remarkable game considering the limitations, you know, going 
through the hamstring and everything else. But the way Kerr structured this rotation, this got into something else that I, I you know, I, I was critical in this entire series that he Kerr has been far too comfortable putting Alfonso McKinney on Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. And, well, he's only got two guys who can guard Kawhi. Right, but, uh, well, I guess Draymond, but then well, he is out of help position. He's out of help position, but so but so people were like, oh, you know, they, they have all this stuff. Well, one thing you can do to help that is that if you only have two guys that you trust on this player, maybe don't have both of them off the floor at the same time when you know he's going to be on. Because then you get into the situation where you don't have anybody you trust other than Draymond and you get into all those issues. Yes, you do, you know, you want to have Andre Iguodala for, for all these various purposes, but that's sort of a thing of like, oh, if you change the rotation to make sure that you're not in a total mismatch it's not the reason they lost the game but it didn't help because that the end of the third quarter was one of those times that Kawhi Leonard absolutely went off yeah and end of the first as well he was outstanding I mean, that first quarter I thought he really kept them in the game he scored 14 of their 17 points in the first quarter got to the line on some cheapies and again I think the Warriors made a lot of mistakes defensively but even against a team like a Houston or a Portland OKC a few years ago maybe even probably Cleveland to be honest there wasn't the overall ethos of passing and ball movement up and down the roster that these Raptors have they have a lot of good passers on this team and I think the other thing that really stands out to me about this Raptors team is just this team doesn't really have any weaknesses as long as long as they I mean maybe they can go cold from three and it can look kind of ugly for them you know we saw that in the Philly series but well there, there is that, one I mean, and it's just yeah. that the, the Warriors haven't been able to do it which is that if you force them to create one-on-one and don't and you know don't overhelp and concede the other shots that they have sometimes they can set it they don't always I mean Kawhi is an absolute beast and and in certain circumstances there are other guys you know Van Vliet's had some yeah. moments yeah, in, yeah even then well, Siakam even is another guy where like they didn't feel comfortable just having Clay Thompson guard right. Pascal Siakam one-on-one you know like there there a lot of times when they really really felt like they needed to help and perhaps that wasn't accurate and perhaps pascal's game one you know was really something that took them out of the idea and, th- and then they felt like they had to really help a lot and they have so much respect for Kawhi. they felt like they had to help so much uh on him which you know he's still averaging 31 a game in the series really efficiently so as much as they're helping it, they might want to consider helping less because he's killing them anyway and everyone else is getting off too but yeah i mean and then just not only that day but it's just defensively they don't really have any weak links you know there's no one to really go after uh and they don't have any bad players in their rotation and they're just it is not while the Raptors may not have the star power of some of the other great teams that we've seen in the past they also don't have an obvious place to attack and I think that has caused real problems for Golden State in this series as limited as they themselves are and it's put in such stark relief to what the Warriors dealt with in the last round against Portland who had all these places that you could attack basically at any time on the floor and so even a limited Warriors team still had ways to to get things going and also they had players that you could help off which as you brought up is something that the Raptors do not have as as much on the other end of the floor and so there aren't as many safe harbors there aren't as many shortcuts I think that's a, a fair a fair way of putting it for the Raptors. And then I thought another striking stat. You asked, 
you kind of asked me during the game if I if I would look this up, and I, I did. And the Warriors, other than Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry, were a combined one for sixteen on shots outside the paint in this game. Yeah, and the one guy who you would trust to make shots out of that group, Quinn Cook, was zero for five on some pretty darn good looks, and you know Iguodala, Draymond couldn't get going either. I mean, Clay Thompson was unbelievable in this game, and unbelievable enough that you probably really have to question them not letting him play in game three uh, at this point i mean I, I was totally on board with that because i felt like if he just can't even run up and down the floor playing him three days later it would be irresponsible and maybe he's just such an incredibly quick healer but seeing what he was able to do tonight you might say oh yeah well he wouldn't have been able to do that tonight if he goes out there two days ago and then he kind of it's still fatigued and it doesn't heal up and, and so we they got one good game out of one actually amazing game out of him and he was 28 points on, on 11 and 18 and so maybe they could would have gotten two crappy games out of him instead um but you know you'd have to imagine that he could have gone out there and competed just space the floor giving them something defensively but um well, well yeah. on that point two of the warriors three best players arguably in this game were two guys that were injured i mean looney was their best center i'm, I'm not i mean two of three best might be overstating a little bit then clay was phenomenal so i mean that's that's pretty amazing when those two guys put together the performance they did now part of the reason looney looked good was because he was being compared to demarcus cousins who was awful again and kind of awful in a different way partially than he was in in game three but well, the raptors I, I wouldn't say that he was awful tonight i would say that he, he, he was definitely awful in the beginning yeah at, at the very beginning yeah, the three yeah, I mean, turnovers. Two right turnovers in the first yeah. two possessions, three turnovers yeah. in the first three minutes. And there were there were some weird, weird elements of it, like him not know kind of knowing what was going on offensively. So like there was a play where he's standing there as Clay Thompson is curling around what would have been a screen, except that yeah. Marcus Cousins yeah. never set he, the screen. He missed like five different chances to go screen for Clay or stuff, either just from trying to post up himself or just kind of being tired or just like standing out on the perimeter. Like he, he really and other times he really kind of needed to be told where to go like it was clear in that first half in particular that looney just has so much better of a synergy with these guys uh, on both ends and looney has had significantly more time to play with them and yeah. he's he's dealing with an with an injury that is not that does not affect his cognition and his ability to understand where he's supposed to be but also the the rotations and and looney was you know slower he was rustier than than usual but he was still markedly better in those elements than than cousins or bogut I thought Kyle Lowry had a really nice yes, game with, with, with even despite being three of 12 and he and Danny Green Green did hit one big three uh, to put the Raptors uh, up 15 when Steph Curry just helped off him in the strong side corner for you know in a very speculative steal attempt uh but Green you know he was one for seven for three Lowry was 0 for four but yeah uh, Lowry was seven assists I thought that they really again the Warriors were guilty uh, of overhelping on him he was huge Lowry in getting Sergi Bob Ibaka going, Ibaka had a, a really nice game with 20 points on 9 of 12 it was a uh, big uh, on the offensive glass kept a couple of team rebounds uh, alive it got a second chance which says him only as one offensive rebound i remember having more than that but uh and he was plus 11 in just uh, 21 minutes and completely flummoxed the, the warriors as they tried to get to the basket or really they, they just could not get that going at all so he was fantastic there i, I thought and you know i mean some ibaka is certainly a 
starting quality center like they were he was the starter for this team for a long time and then they got Marcus Ole who, who also uh, was very good tonight and Marcus Ole remember the thought that like oh they're gonna go right after him and pick and roll to start to, to start off like uh I don't think they ran a single pick and roll at him after like after game one that I remember well and that so. gets that gets into something that I think is I, I don't want to get too big picture on it right now but after the game Steve Kerr talked about you know how Steph Curry is is such a dynamic off-ball player and that's true he he really is but he's also a really dynamic on-ball player and we saw a lot less that I'm not saying that would have worked you know that this Toronto team has amazing help defenders this is not him carving up a team like the Trailblazers or even for parts of the the end of the Rockets in game six when it was the Curry Draymond show those same things aren't going to work as well but Curry provides more value off ball when you have better on ball players than they have available right now I mean Draymond has had his moments but he he also had some some weird turnovers in this game and Kevin Durant's not there and so the beautiful game and curse whole ethos it worked without Kevin Durant you know before Kevin Durant in, in the 14-15 15-16 season Steph Curry won two MVPs before that happened but he was more on ball then than he has been so far in these 10 games or whatever the total is right now. I think it's nine actually. Well, I don't know that that I agree with that necessarily. It was not working for Steph when he was on ball in this game. And I think part of that was the fact that he wasn't getting some of the fouls on his dribble attacks that he got in game one and game four where he shot 14 or in game three where he shot 14 free throws in both of those. And he just wasn't playing with the same kind of frenetic energy, maybe because Clay was back, but I think more so just because he didn't have it and we talked about this after game three so this is not revisionist history that number one he was completely exhausted by the start of the fourth quarter in game three and they decided to play him the whole second half and then to not take everyone out as well when they're down 17 with five minutes left in the game and basically a no hope situation in game three without clay when you're just they weren't stopping toronto like they had no chance of coming back at at that point and then again to to play stuff the whole second half again i mean they they definitely were absolutely desperate and andre would all ended up playing 38 minutes i mean they knew what kind of a situation this was going to be in if they didn't win this one and you know the raptors just stuck with it and were totally calm and, and poised the whole way but stuff I, I mean just watching him did not have anywhere near the same amount of energy that he had in game three and we don't know the counterfactual if you would have rested him more in game three if he would have had more energy tonight maybe he would have still been pretty gassed but uh, it seemed like it really didn't did not work out uh, for him I, I mean i know for sure that he was gassed with the strategy they did do and i thought that was a big risk of the way that they played him on wednesday night and also just in general steve kurt you know because you remember he was criticized for you know not enough desperation and playing azili and farajal in the fourth quarter in 2016 and he really went away from that even as early early as the Clippers series in terms of the minute totals and that probably caught up with KD I don't think it caught up with Clay necessarily because his was more of an acute injury rather than just a non-contact issue Andre Guadala had a big time reduced effectiveness after the the Houston series and maybe you know they once KD went down they really needed to play him a ton obviously uh but it's a different approach for Kerr than it was a, a couple years ago I mean you remember 2016 a Steph Curry you know granted coming up with the knee issue but you know he played Steph Curry rested him in game six in Oklahoma City which was a completely desperate elimination game he rests him for three minutes you know and so he played Steph the whole second half a bunch of times and it was very clear that Steph Curry just can't do that due to his style of play or or whatever he's you know probably has more 
per minute exertion than just about any player in the NBA when he's actually out there and he's amazingly conditioned, but he can't play an entire half and maintain the same effectiveness. Like he visibly gets tired by the end of that. And you know, he went the whole second half again tonight and they were down 12 to start the fourth. And you understand why he did that. And maybe he just didn't want that criticism. Oh, you can't take the guy out or whatever. But uh, he probably wasn't aggressive enough in that 2016 run, but I think he was a little bit too aggressive with the minutes, you know, 43 minutes for KD, 43 minutes for Steph at, at times in this run. And, uh, you know, again, we don't know the counterfactual. Maybe they, they would have lost if he's not as aggressive earlier. Uh, but we do know that these guys are very much out of gas at, at this point in time, particular stuff in particularly in this game. And you also kind of along those lines don't know how much five straight finals and everything else is, is weighing on this, the accumulation and 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 having a more competitive series against the Clippers, you know, pushing the guys harder than that was a series that we both thought would be a little bit more straightforward for them. And after that, that big come back that they had at Oracle and that just series just running way longer then it really kicked in from there and then playing the Rockets in the second round and then they probably could have taken it easier against Portland except that Durant got hurt and then that changed that changed everything around again so it's it's interesting and and there will be a lot written a lot said about about all those decisions possibly starting as soon as a few days from now we'll have we'll have to see yeah I, I want to talk a little bit more about the Raptors game oh here, yeah right? I, I, have, I have a whole thing I want to say about Kawhi yeah so. yeah but but first uh I am starving right now first thing i'm going to do when we're done recording is order some food from postmates and oh it's 11 16 p.m how am i going to do that well postmates is open 24 hours a day 365 days a a year you don't have to make any more trips to the store anything you're craving postmates can deliver it within the hour they're the largest on-demand network in the u.s and they offer delivery from all the restaurants grocery stores convenience stores and traditional retailers that you could possibly need so it's not just food delivery oh no there is much more than that if you need a breakfast burrito at 8 a.m you need some alcohol delivered to your party you want to get some sushi for dinner you need a little ibuprofen the next morning just postmates it actually the copy says postmate it that's interesting because i've actually been using them since i think either 2013 or 2014 just in my private life before they even started advertising on the show and so we would always say uh, let's just postmates it but uh i guess we had the term wrong it's post instead but however you want to say the verb postmates is giving our listeners 100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you use the code capspace easy to remember so basically you get a hundred dollars towards any delivery fee in your first seven days when you download that postmates app and use that capspace code of course to let them know that you came from us anything you need anytime you need it postmate it download postmates and save with that familiar cap space code okay so what did you want to talk about here with the raptors you said you had a few more uh well something that i thought was amazing was that Kawhi scored 31 of his 36 points in the first and third quarters that he really did a lot of his damage then tone setting but also a lot as you said at the end of the first and the end of the third when he had more competitive advantages against the limited warriors lineups on both ends of the floor really i mean draymond and steph were out there but a lot of other guys and leonard nine free throws but his shot his shot distribution is fascinating so oh yeah no no shots at the rim though i believe at least one of his free throw jaunts was was due to that yeah Three. yeah a, a number of those i thought were, yeah. were at least on drives if not sure plays where he got all yeah. the way to the rim yeah in, intended for the rim at, at bare minimum yeah three of seven from floater range three of six from mid-range and then four of nine from three including those two big above the break ones at the start of the third quarter and he was 
also a significant part of the Raptors being more successful. It's been a kind of a, a story of this series. I don't have the exact stats on it unless you pulled it, which would be awesome, of their late shot clock stuff. But it, to me, anecdotally, this looked more like game one where they were getting they were getting more late, especially in the second half. But the looks they were hitting late, like that Marcus, there was a big Marcus Ole shot. They were yeah, clean looks. It was just Vliet that they were too, ju- Van Vliet. With, late yeah. in the clock. When, and Van Vliet actually started the second half too. Like late in the clock, Cousins, you know, with one on the shot clock, they run a pick and roll. Cousins is not out of the three-point line. Van Vliet hit, hit a huge three. That actually uh, cut into Golden State's largest lead of the second half. Uh, it was a huge shot. Yeah, I mean, there were there were a series of big ones. And, and also, in the first half, there were a lot of them that they created, the, those late shots that were good looks that just didn't fall. I think Danny Green had a couple of those. And that was another reminder of the Warriors, not only the Warriors' defense, I mean, I don't want to put it put it all on, on their shoulders because the Raptors earned a, lo- earned a vast majority yeah. of those by moving the ball, by staying active, by working through the whole shot clock. But you kind of thought that was going to progress to the mean just because they were good looks looks and that was something I talked about at the end of the first quarter you know the, the Raptors at that juncture only had 17 points but you know process over results there that the process I thought was was pretty sound for them and yeah I mean there was some superhuman stuff from from Kawhi but the other the other struggles they had and I mean you talked about the one for 15 or sorry two for 15 from three in the first half but the looks were there and that's really what you focus on moving forward and that, that really expanded from the first half oh something else I wanted to bring up. I thought it was interesting that I think this started in the second quarter. I don't have the exact pin pinpoint of it. That while he didn't do it as aggressively as Fred Van Vliet, Danny Green started being a little bit more aggressive about picking up Curry at three-quarter court. And it's not, you know, I don't think they forced any turnovers off of it. I don't think it's, you know, a huge deal. But just making those extra couple dribbles a little bit harder, slowing down the offense a little bit, especially off of makes, it, it made it a little bit, you know, it made the, the difference between Van Vliet and Green a little bit narrower, and I thought that was a very good thing for the Raptors, especially when Van Vliet was playing so many minutes, other than him getting bashed in the face by by Sean Livingston requiring seven stitches and losing a tooth. Yeah, He didn't lose a full tooth, it got cracked, so there was was only like a small part of his tooth that was laying laying there on the floor. Uh, Toronto had 12 steals in this game, Kawhi with four of those, Lowry and Green, three apiece. They definitely got into the passing lanes a a lot more some of those plays that were so open for golden state at times i think the raptors just got a little bit better sense of the rhythm of their offense and when the passes were going to come and were able to get deflections get steals in the first half it seemed like golden state even when there were deflections was getting every loose ball but then that really turned the raptors way again as, as they clearly were the team that had more energy in this one i've got a few smaller notes but maybe we can save those uh, towards the end well uh, no let, let's get to those now um I thought the Raptors went to some nice actions that worked a lot better where they had Gasol at the elbow, ran some split cut actions out of the corner, got some nice passes going to the middle. It's using some of Golden State's actions against them. Siakam, Kawhi getting those guys into the lane off of those actions. It worked really well. Golden State really had a chance 
to break it open late first and Toronto got right back into it most of that uh, being Kawhi Golden State just stopped scoring uh, again you know I mean 92 points is just for what is a healthy Golden State team with Steph Curry available and maybe you can say we're seeing just the lack of one more normal 3 and D contributor not necessarily Kevin Durant but just one more guy who could space the floor and reliably knock down shots to play with Steph Draymond and Iguodala and Clay that just that one more guy instead of having to go with Looney there and really only having two remotely reliable three-point shooters on the floor is just you know when the Raptors have four and a half on the floor at all times I don't know if you want to call Siakam one or not but he's he's probably better than Iguodala or Draymond um, yeah and at least you the way you defend him is is more aggressive yeah. in that respect and that that reminded me of a great point that Kevin Pelton brought up when we recorded Real Gym Radio between games three and four that it was not true in this one because of Sean Livingston but in game three every single player that came off the Warriors bench was a minimum salary guy yeah and as good as some minimum players are that that's a reminder I mean almost everybody who's on a minimum contract is is that way for some sort of a reason that could be because they're young like Jordan Bell who didn't play in this game or because you're old like Andrew Bogut who did or it could be just be because you're you know a flyer like like Alfonso McKinney and you know they're still trying to figure out whether you can stick in the league and Quinn Cook was the same thing largely last year and you know he missed a bunch of shots tonight but th- those will those have gone in for him more often and the Raptors are significantly deeper you know that some of that is Masai Ujiri you know getting getting some guys some of that is that they're healthier than the Warriors but it's it, it was notable in this one I mean that they have those three guys even though Powell didn't play that much in this game who are not who are not only trustworthy but pretty damn good yeah I mean to to have guys like Van Vliet you know 17 points off the bench and Ibaka 20 points off the bench I mean Golden State just there's no chance you're ever going to get a performance like that you know Looney with 10 points is maybe the best you can hope for Livingston with like six or eight points is like a good game for him these days uh the Raps did go to the box and won a, a little bit and they really forced Steve Kerr's hands in a couple of respects one was they started isoing Kawhi at the end of that third quarter on McKinney and he hit one jumper and Kerr was like oh shit we better better get uh Alfonso out of there so he went back to Iguodala and then Nurse immediately went to the box and won and that worked well for three possessions so then he had to go back to clay earlier than he wanted to uh, as well and that was uh, of course uh, as the raptors were really taking control uh, down the end of the that third quarter building it that double digit lead where steph normally would really make his presence felt and stuff you know it's his 27 points but you know it took him 26 shooting possessions to get there and the biggest criticism i think uh, of steph curry i think he probably has maybe the highest peak of any player in the league in an individual game when you consider his gravity as well and you know he certainly is consistent as far as that gravity and generally driving effective offensive performances well we've seen really for the first time in the playoffs that that hasn't been the case anymore in this series and where they've had some pretty pedestrian offensive games and they haven't had any anywhere close to an explosion against what we said is the best defensive team and probably the best passing team that they have played in this entire run and so but the the criticism of curry is just that over the 
course of a playoffs over the course of a series he just can't sustain it the way you know and James Harden this is the case for him too and for all those who say hey you know you just you can't be the best player in the NBA you can't be that dominant at his size over the course of a playoff series you just don't have the physical force you don't have the options when your shot isn't going down you know I think this series has provided a, a little bit of ammo on that and you know whereas Kawhi he just keeps on trucking every game and you can always you can go to him you can iso him and you don't necessarily have that option with Steph Curry and that's a criticism I don't know how much of that I buy and there's so many soft power aspects of what he's been able to do but other than in game three you know he hasn't been able to outplay Kawhi Leonard in this series and certainly Kawhi has a lot more around him offensively than Steph does in this series and you know and even if you go down the list of the players you see the names like green and iguodala and cousins and thompson but it's it's all about the fit and how those guys fit together offensively and finally the warriors lack of dependable shooting that can play any defense whatsoever uh has come back to roost and you know not getting a guy like that with the mini mid-level which may have been available but probably not going with cousins and then obviously missing kd who you know was supposed to paper over the weaknesses uh, on the wing uh, towards the back of the roster which uh you know he hasn't been able to do since he hasn't been out there um what else you got here i rambled for some time there i don't really have that much more i i think that the first half was interesting in that you know so i i, I was talking with numerous it's fun at the meet there are so many media members that something like this you can have a lot of different conversations because people come into this series with their own perspectives and a lot of us a lot of the people I talked with, and this included myself, had less clear of an idea of what was going to happen in Game 4 than than a lot of the other ones in the series, partially just to see what Clay Thompson was going to look yeah. like and everything I said else. beforehand, 60% chance of Golden State winning a game, assuming that Clay, you know, was back at it. I thought it was more in Toronto's favor than that, but not dramatically so. You know, like we're, we're, we're not too far apart. And the first half, I'm sure there were some who said, like, oh my God, the Warriors, you know, the, the Warriors, they're they're limited, but they have they have this lead. And I was sitting there going, yeah, that's it's possible that they that they pull this one out and then we'll see where the series goes but to me given what we saw in the first half it it looked more like the gravity was going to go Toronto's way they have more talent they were getting really good shots they just weren't falling and Toronto has games where those good shots just never fall like that's it's there were games like that in the Bucks series there were games like that in the Sixers series and the game they lost against the Magic was partially that partially Orlando just hitting a bunch of shots but I think this served as a clarifying point that even though this might have been a little bit more extreme on one side that in this iteration of these two teams toronto's better i mentioned that toronto is the best passing team they've gone up against and the best defensive team the warriors have gone up against i asked steve kerr about this in post game and he gave all, all the credit to toronto but the warriors defense is just getting completely carved up you know i mean and i think they it was mostly in this first half there was great effort but also you know a lot of missed open shots uh, by toronto but that didn't continue and but really the only game golden state has come close to stopping toronto has been in game two and again toronto missed a lot of shots they're under 30 percent from three on some pretty decent looks in that game two and the warriors had one really nice defensive run where they stopped from scoring for the first six minutes of the second half in that game two but other than that they just have not and yeah toronto has been very good but i don't think golden state's strategy has been good enough i don't think their communication has been good enough i don't think they've they just haven't 
stayed solid they've been the one making mistakes and giving up buckets and since really nurse went away from uh or went to the box and one and then you know they didn't stick with the box one they really tightened up defensively one of the things they did starting in game three which i wish i had mentioned it, it, i had in my notes i forgot to get to it was i talked about this with coach topper on monday was how are you going to deal with the back screens and he and i said well maybe you just have a rule where every back screen that steph curry sets you're just going to switch that but you're not going to switch other stuff so they started doing more switching there more switching uh off the ball in general uh and I think that that really helped you know you didn't see you know Golden State got a few here and there but you didn't see the same kind of lapses that you were seeing for example when Steph Curry was just in the game with four non-shooters and yet you're still giving up these backdoor buckets uh, to in the half court to Golden State all the time you you saw three of those instead of 12 of those per game and so Toronto really just tightened up much more and I thought Golden State's defense in these two games uh, and their communication was really bad I thought they really I don't know why this what the team that basically brought switching to the NBA as a strategy they've gone away from that a lot really starting in the Houston series they've really liked the double teams more they trust their ability to scramble around behind and it just hasn't worked they haven't been connected enough in this series and I thought that it was really a mistake by Kerr to not go to the switching and the few times they've tried just straight up switching they've had pretty good success with it when they've had the right personnel out there and certainly they've had issues with that but even in the fourth quarter when they had the the right guys out there they had plays where they should have just even like between two guys who, who are small as you know what there's a play where Iguodala and Thompson were guarding the two guys in question like that should just be an auto switch why wouldn't you ever switch that and they ended up giving up a wide open three out of that because they decided to double team the ball I mean there are just a lot of really ugly plays and Toronto punished them with good passing uh when they put two on the ball when they really didn't need to uh, a lot of times that reminded so, yeah. me that reminded me of the other non-switch that has been interesting in this series which is on the other end of the floor we talked early in the series you know we we're doing the we did the first two games for the nba cast about how weird it was that the raptors would not switch Kawhi onto steph and he has continued to struggle in those matchups you know there were there were, there were yeah. times where it was a little bit better in the, this they one. actually tried to hunt him at the end of yeah, the first quarter they did and Kawhi, i i don't want to go big picture on him just yet i have a lot of thoughts there but i i kind of want to process it a little bit but what i will say now is kind of an inkling of where i'm going with this is it is striking how i mean i've been on the Kawhi train for a long time i mean i had him even while he was hurt i think i had him number three in my best player in the world rankings last year I actually dropped him this year which i feel stupid about but it's he's not succeeding in exactly the same way this isn't just a return to form for Kawhi leonard to what he was in that 16 17 season this is a fundamentally modified player who is just insanely good in in a slightly different way yeah and we'll see i, I mean he definitely is dealing uh, with this knee issue he told Rachel Nichols today that he didn't think that he would be playing right now had they not done all of the load management that they did remember he took that four game break for load management it wasn't an acute injury and it seems pretty clear that he's still you know for all of you truth says oh he easily could have played he was fine last year in San Antonio he just wanted to get out of there I mean I, I just I think that's really disrespectful to him as a competitor to say that oh he could have played and he did I mean how how many times and and we're going through this now with KD as well. How many times has it been the case where everyone's like, oh, that guy's just a wuss, like he should play, that it turns out, ah, no, there's nothing wrong with him, the guy 
could have just played he was fine right like players know their bodies like they, they want to be out there like you don't get to this level unless you you're a competitor and you love basketball especially superstars so my default is always that they can't go if they're not out there and Kawhi certainly felt that and every single comment that he's made the comments by uncle dennis to chris haynes all that has indicated that you know it really was touch and go for him with that right quad and now he's developed this left knee injury because of overcompensating for that right quad i mean we haven't seen him go for a one foot dunk for a long time right like if you think about the way he's been dunking with the left hand he dunks jumps off of two feet you can push off more on your right leg that way and that i think is why he's going for these left-handed dunks off two feet all the time uh so and it clearly has affected his defense so whether you know against Giannis I think it was okay because it wasn't a ton of movement laterally it's all right, move your feet a little bit, have good hands, and be really strong in the core, which he is. But, you know, they haven't even thought about putting him even on clay, not to mention Steph in this series. And when a lot of times when they went at him, it's a conventional pick and roll defense. So I think there's really an understanding that he just, you know, cannot move on the perimeter the same way that he used to be able to. And I think he deserves a lot of credit given how limited he is with what he's been able to do in these playoffs. And yeah, he hasn't missed a game, so it hasn't been at the forefront of everyone's mind. And I think he's looked healthier in this series than he did in the last series and then late in the philly series as well but it's been a, really just a, an amazing performance for him so here's what i want to ask you now more hope for golden state down three to one now or did they have more hope in 2016 when they're down three to one to okc 2016 i agree they had home court they were facing an opponent that had a, a higher propensity for getting in their own way that's something this raptors team does not do very often other than just missing a bunch of shots which which they absolutely can do and given the limitations the uncertainty even if kevin durant comes back of what kevin durant we're going to see i don't i don't think this team has the same level of overall talent they're also older three years older than before they're more worn down they've had to deal with a, a very different playoff run this time and yeah i th- i think it's it's pretty significant as well and and home court should not be underappreciated in this i think that's that's an important element of it but the the toronto raptors are a fantastic team I, you know, agonized about whether whether or not to pick them in the series. If I had known what, what like what happened with Durant and all that, I probably would have picked the Raptors. But they're, I mean, they're damn good. Like this is a really good. And, and the other kind of thing with this that happens when it's a three-one series is you can even even if theoretically the Warriors outplay the Raptors in all three remaining games, which I do not expect to see. Variants can do a lot of the heavy lifting here, and this is a Raptors. The Raptors can can make one of those games work for them. You know, they'll have some that work against them like I would say game two to an extent was that and so coming back against a great defensive team that also has a lot of good shooters and moves the ball well and can be really diligent offensively that's a hard go it's kind of like you know there's certain teams that are hard to come back on in a, in a single game I feel like this Raptors team could be the same thing in a series yeah they are pretty steady you've got Kawhi who you can go to for offense and especially when you can go to him and he can run the clock down at the end of games and get good shots you know if this Toronto team gets a lead they're usually pretty ironclad with it um that OKC team certainly I mean they just had more weaknesses as a team than this Toronto team does and more importantly I mean that even with Steph limited Iguodala Draymond Clay I mean those guys were all younger and with the exception of maybe Clay to me much better three years ago than they are now um and that team just made more sense and had more depth they had Harrison Barnes who at least you know could stand out there and hit it 
three and defend they had the more importantly even they had the ability to go with Draymond Green at center which they don't really now with this personnel grouping and now there is the possibility that KD could come back but number one even if you snap your fingers and KD from earlier in the playoffs just shows up for game five they're still underdogs in the series by a substantial amount with two road games and the surround team being really good uh it would clearly change the series substantially but when you also consider that Iguodala played 38 minutes he's gonna be completely gassed I like to keep him at 30 you know and Curry uh, was pretty gassed tonight Thompson you know who knows how his hamstring is going to respond after tonight whether he had to get some kind of an injection or something as well so the rest of the guys even if KD comes back and he's 100% ready to go which it seems unlikely you know Kerr still says oh I'm hopeful he can play in game five and game six well we may not find out whether he could have played in the game six or not ever <laughs> at this rate but yeah I, I think they're they're playing a tougher opponent and they don't have the home court and their team isn't as good so uh, and there's also against OKC it was all right if we could just clean up turnovers and transition and play a little harder you know there were very clear things even though they got dominate in those games three and four in okc there are very clear things that like okay if we can clean this up we're right back into this and they were largely able to do that in the last three games but here it's like you know like what it's not just one or two things like they are being outplayed in every single facet of the game right now so yeah this is uh dire straits the dynasty is very likely over and we'll of course have more time to dissect that when the series concludes most likely in toronto's favor anything else to talk about here before we go well people can still listen to the podcast i did with kevin pelton for real gym radio this week it was interesting especially the second half we talked about the offseason though it was recorded before the nets trade we actually talked about the potential fit of Kyrie and d'angelo russell that's fun and then before we record the next dunked on oh wait no never mind i was gonna say, i was gonna plug the the nba cast but we will record before that but still watch the nba cast it's still very good <laughs> yeah well I, if, at least if uh it's over on monday we'll have a lot more time to do some draft prep so that'll be nice yeah we have a i will tell people that we have a lot more draft prep that we want to do and i think we'll probably have the time to do almost all of it if not all of it so that's exciting all right uh we will talk to y'all on sunday till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.